Hello and welcome to Nudge with me, Phil Agnew. I'm delighted to be joined by Rand Fishkin today. Rand is co-founder of SparkToro and previously co-founder of Moz and Inbound.org. He wrote Lost and Founder, a must-read for anyone in the startup world, and he's a frequent traveller, speaker, presenter, and self-proclaimed underdog supporter. In this episode, Rand and I chat about the importance of finding your target audience. Most of us will have experienced the pain of creating something like a a blog, a fundraiser, or a marketing campaign, spending hours perfecting it and launching it, only to find that no one engages with it. Over the next 20 minutes, Rand and I will talk through how to get over this hurdle and find an audience that will actually engage with your work. To start with, Rand explains how one of the problems we face is the consolidation of media. For most of us, generating attention means advertising on just Facebook and Google. This monopoly raises a lot of issues for marketers. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct-to-consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. Unfortunately, the reality is, you know, we, we live in a world where media attention, which had fragmented because of the internet, has once again consolidated. And that is due to, you know, sort of a few corporations and big, big monopolies in tech being able to, to dominate time and attention online. And it's due to a ton of big players having a lot more money and sophistication than the vast majority of small and medium businesses. And, and so they're at a distinct disadvantage. You know, I'm very passionate about wanting to help people do the kinds of marketing that have a real impact. And a, a, a massive part of that is reaching the right audience in the right places at the right time with the right message. In a way, that's the core of marketing, right? What are we doing? We're trying to influence people with messages that will resonate with them, that show how our products and services can solve their problems in places where they pay attention. And if we can do that, you know, if we can do that for 
small and medium businesses and creators and artists, and we can do it affordably, that's potentially transformative. Most marketers, however, fail to do this, partly because they face something called the bystander effect. The effect, first recorded in studies from the 60s, notes how most of us flat out refuse to engage in something if we don't think it's directed at us. Judith Rodin helped us understand the bystander effect in a 1969 study based around a woman in distress. 120 male undergraduates were asked to wait either alone or with a stranger and then overheard a woman fall out and cry in pain. Now 70% of those men waiting alone went on to help the women and yet those waiting with a stranger only 40% of them went over to help. Those participants waiting with a stranger aren't bad people, they're suffering from the bystander effect. Because there are others around, they assume the woman isn't asking for their help directly, so they don't engage with the woman because they don't think the message is for them. A similar problem happens in marketing. Most of the time your audience won't engage because they don't think the message is directed at them. They see your message and don't feel personally attracted to it. This problem amplifies when marketers use very competitive channels like Google and Facebook to market to consumers. Every other marketer uses these channels, meaning a lot of your audience will suffer from the bystander effect. I think a big problem that we have to contend with is the bias toward throwing money at Google and Facebook and to a lesser extent, Amazon, if if you're in e-commerce, letting them sort out all the targeting, letting them sort out the cost, letting them sort out the return that you're going to get and relying on your sophistication level relative to other marketers that are playing in those same spaces instead of potentially being very creative and looking outside of those big monopolies and trying to find sources of influence, tactics, methods that could work for you and and bring you customers, the right customers at prices that you can afford that will have return on investment and using the advantage that small always has over big. You can go and find podcasts that you can you know, be a guest on, podcasts you could sponsor, YouTube channels where you could uh, appear on, you could find websites where there's creative advertising opportunities and maybe they have an email list and if you build a relationship there, maybe they'll mention your piece and perhaps you could contribute some guest content that would get your message or your brand or yourself in front of that right audience. Maybe there are opportunities on social media to find accounts that could promote you or radio shows or television programs or conferences and events offline or online. The list of tactics is limitless. The opportunities are are nearly infinite. You You will never be able to get through them all. The challenge, I think, for a ton of marketers is answering the question, does this publication or person reach the audience that I want to reach? There's a bit of irony here. Google and Facebook have created a platform for marketers to advertise to anyone around the world to grow your business. And yet Google, Facebook and others only grew their own businesses because they found and focused on specific audiences, not by advertising to everyone around the world. Facebook, for example, limited their app to just Harvard students and then just Yale, Stanford and Columbia students. They found their audience and focused their efforts there. Amazon started out by just selling books in Seattle 
and even Uber and Airbnb started in just one city. Most marketers struggle to reach their target audience. They struggle to find ways to engage with their buyer without suffering from the bystander effect. This problem is really at the core of what Rand's company, Spark Toro, is looking to solve. I mean, one of the things one of the things that I found in entrepreneurship that's really useful is having conflict, having an enemy, right? And so SparkToro's enemy is throw all your money at Google and Facebook, right? We're, we are against that. We are anti that because we think that a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations don't get the ROI that they could get. And, and a lot of publishers, publications, individuals, um, brands, uh, uh, content sources don't get the advertising and the messaging and the targeting that they want either because they have to play to what Google and Facebook want, right? What they're willing to put on their site, the formats that they're willing to do things in. So you can't be creative. You can't do what the New York Times is potentially able to do with their own creative advertising because, eh, you know what? You've got to play to Google and Facebook. They're, they're the only source for revenue for you. I, I don't love that, right? I want to... I want to disintermediate that. I want to create opportunity for players on both sides of that equation. And I think if we do that successfully, there's a ton of opportunity, right, in in the data that we can provide and we'll actually be making something of a positive difference in the world. Going beyond consolidated media like Google and Facebook can really help your marketing. I asked Rand how SparkToro's customers have benefited from this, and he gave a great story about one of the first brands to benefit from his product. Uh, it's called Kettle and Fire. They're, they make bone broth, right? So consumer company, and they, they do this really clever thing. If you, if you go to Kettle and Fire's website, they make, they make bone broth. It's relatively expensive, but it's extremely high quality. And when you go to their website and you, you buy bone broth and you check out, you finish the checkout process, you put in your credit card, you click, click buy, they, they slide over a survey. I think it's a type form survey. And they ask you uh, questions, which you've probably seen on a lot of websites, right? Like, how did you, how did you find us today? And then they also ask, uh, hey, what are uh, two or three health blogs that you follow or listen to? What are some social accounts that you pay attention to in the uh, recipes, food, health world, right? They, they're trying to get answers to those questions because that helps tell them what do their customers pay attention to and where can they go reach them? But as you might imagine, right, the responses from that, although that data is is interesting and useful to them, it does it is not a representational sample set, and it suffers from all the biases that consumer surveys always have. What ideally Kettle and Fire wanted to do was say, hey, everyone who is interested in health food, can you tell us the health and fitness and recipe websites and social accounts that they follow and listen to most in the order that they listen to them, right? So if, if you tell me uh, people who are interested in this stuff, who, who describe themselves these way, this way, or who talk about these topics frequently online, 12% of them follow this website and 11% follow that website and 4% follow this other website, that's the number that our marketing team needs because that will help us dictate how we allocate budget, right? We, we can do it intelligently if we just know the source and the percent of our audience that follows them. 
And so they signed up for Spark Torah and they're, and yeah, the, you know, I, I email everybody who, who signs up who, who, uh, for a paying account personally and had a conversation with them. And, uh, I ended up ordering a bunch of bone broth and the amazing part was this is exactly what Spark Torah does, right? So they, they search for my audience frequently talks about health food and recipes, right? In their, in the content of their social shares on whatever, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Reddit, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Boom. Spark Toro says 18% of people who frequently talk about, you know, health, food, and recipes, uh, follow these websites. That data is exactly what their marketing campaign was looking for. Uh, that helped them prioritize their budget. That helped them determine where they were going to go invest in, you know, creating more demand. They have the budget and the opportunity right now, and they know that there's people out there who are looking for this stuff. So perfect kind of match for them. Now, Rand's advice shouldn't be brand new information to marketers, but it is still so often forgotten, partly because finding your target audience is just so hard. The Guardian, a British newspaper, a few years back did a great study where they equipped a journalist with an eye-tracking headset which monitored all the ads this journalist was exposed to while walking around central London. After a few hours, the journalist listed all the ads he could remember. And incredibly, his recall was just 1%. 1% is especially surprising because he had the specific task of remembering as many ads as possible. And despite this, he still forgot 99% of the advertisements he saw. Effectively targeting your audience is one way around this lack of recall. Richard Shotton, in his book, The Choice Factory, told 500 consumers about a new energy tariff. Now, half of these consumers were told that the energy tariff saved the average household £100. But the other half of the participants were told that it saved the household in their specific city £100. So, slight tweak. Turns out when the message is regionally targeted, so targeted in their specific city, it's much better received. 10% of the consumers agreed that the regional deal was a great offer, compared to only 4% for the national message. That tiny bit of targeting doubled the impact. Following Rand's advice, I started to test out different types of advertising for the Nudge podcast. I started with ads on Facebook. Now, despite targeting marketers in the UK, I still struggled to get engagement. It's quite surprising, right? Even though targeting marketers in the UK, I didn't manage to get the engagement I needed. Similar to Guardian's findings, only 1% of that target audience actually engaged with the ads. And then I tried advertising on a podcast-specific platform called Overcast in their science and their business category. Now, these ads, which were much more targeted, much more focused, received almost double the engagement as the Facebook ads for the exact same spend. My colleague at the company I work called Brownwatch, um, James Stanier, has recently published his first book called Becoming an Effective Software Engineering Manager. Focused on helping engineering managers become great leaders while running effective teams, James has explored several marketing tactics to encourage his book's sales. Unsurprisingly for him, the most effective marketing tactic was getting his book featured on Hacker News, a site focused on computer science and entrepreneurship. Appearing on the front page of that site on Hacker News generated almost two times the number of book sales than his publisher's own announcement 
Once again, it showed the power of finding your target audience. Now, finding that target audience can pay off, but it's not just great for marketers. It can also help entrepreneurs get their ideas off the ground. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I... I cannot urge entrepreneurs to do this enough. I, I think when I have failed in my career the most, it's when I did not do this, which is which is going and reading the room, right? So if, if there is an area that excites you, right? Oh, I think there's a huge opportunity in whatever healthcare tech around this particular topic, or I think that the chemical engineering field has all this opportunity here, or I think that you know, there's there's opportunity for a new digital marketing tool in connecting email campaigns and offline campaigns, whatever it is, right? If you have an idea or you have a field that you are going after, the worst thing you can possibly do is quietly sit in your basement and build a product. The, the best thing that you can do is have tons and tons of conversations with lots of people in that field. Pay attention to what is being talked about in that world. Pay attention to the thought leaders and influencers. Pay attention to the publications that people are reading. Pay attention to the social sources that are reaching your audience and become part of the conversation, right? Pay attention so that you understand, ah, this is how they talk about things. This is how they consume content. These are who and what is influential in the field. This is what all these weird acronyms mean in their in their world, right? This is what they're referring to when they talk about this conference or event or person. And if you know those things ahead of time, right, you will build a better, more functional, more likely to succeed product. You know, you can use a variety of things for this, right? I think there are a lot of people that I know before they enter field or as they're doing this, right? They Google around, they try and find some sources, they go to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and they look for some there and they try and follow a few of those. And those those are not bad ways to do it. Uh, SparkToro is slightly more efficient in this way because you can search for, you know, my audience describe themselves as whatever, healthcare finance professionals or whatever or they're accountants in California, or they're interior design professionals in the UK, right? Whatever group you're trying to reach. And then from there, you can say, ah, excellent, right? These are the top 25 publications. These are the top social sources that are paid attention to by this group. Here's the big media. Here's the hidden gems. This is what I want to pay attention to. These are the YouTube channels I'm going to subscribe to. These are podcasts I'm going to listen to. And as you start to build up uh, that following yourself, right? As you pay attention to those sources, you will be far, far better positioned to go market in those places in the future. So targeting your message can help get beyond the bystander effect and engage your target audience. Now, this effect is highlighted in loads of different examples, but one that I really like was a fascinating new paper by Marque van Brommel. In his experiment, he got 86 students to log into an online forum. And on the forum, they were shown five messages, all posted by troubled forum users. For example, people were complaining about depression and one person even saying that they wanted to commit suicide. Now, these posts were fake. They were they were sort of fakely put on there to engage the participants, but the participants themselves thought those posts were real. Now, the participants were told that they could reply if they wanted to, but it was entirely up to them. As always with these scenarios, there were two conditions. In the baseline condition, each participant could see their name at the top, and alongside their name, they could see other users' names and a counter showing whether the forum was really quiet, so whether one or two people were logged in, or whether it was busy. 
you know, 30 people logged in, for example. The test replicated the classic bystander effect. Participants were less likely to post replies and engage with these troubled users when more people were logged in to the forum. However, when there was just one or a handful of people logged in, the bystander effect was reversed or removed. Participants were far more likely to engage with the user in need. In a way, this links nicely with targeting. If the consumer knows a message is for them, they are more likely to engage. Here's Rand finishing off by explaining how SparkToro can help businesses overcome this hurdle. I would certainly urge entrepreneurs, founders, creators, artists to do that, and SparkToro can help. And, and the nice thing is it can help for free, right? So you don't, you don't need to pay for an account to do that, right? If, you're, if your goal is just, hey, show me some of the big sources, let me f- figure out what these are, you can just go sign up for free, get that value. And that, that's, you know, that's something we're passionate about, right? We'd, we'd much rather see a ton of small businesses and creators launch their work out into the world and build something um, and be able to get that off the ground than, you know, make a small number of dollars off of a few of those people who have the money already to pay us. That is all for today. If you've enjoyed listening to Rand speak, then I think you'll definitely enjoy our next episode together. Join both me and Rand again in two weeks, where we'll talk about the potential issues with growth hacking. To make sure you don't miss that fascinating episode, do please sign up to the Nudge mailing list, the link to which is in the description, in the show notes, I should say, below. Or you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Nudge Podcast, or you can follow me at P underscore Agnew. Rand's company, SparkToro, offers free trials for all new users. So please do head over to sparktoro.com to try it out and try and find your target audience. I'd also recommend picking up a copy of Rand's book, Lost and Founder. It's a real candid look at what it is like to start and grow and market a company, highlighting the great parts of being a founder, but also a lot of the awful times founders can go through. I've left a link to the book in the show notes for anyone who is interested. Okay, that's it for today. Cheers for listening to this episode. If you have any feedback, please feel free to drop me an email on nudgepod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you think and if you've managed to apply any of these tactics for yourself. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Nudge. Nudge.